morning. Take a second, turn to your neighbor, tell them you're glad they're here. Do that for me. Alright, now uh, turn back to that same neighbor. Turn back to that same neighbor and just tell them, hey, you might you might need to hear this this morning. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry out for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear, lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and salted me with gall. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity even is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord is no more. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast. Within me. Oh, happy day. Right? Yeah. You know, this stuff kind of stuff's in here. You know, sometimes we want to quickly just jump to John 3.16. Oh, for God so loved the world. Right? But the reality is, Old and New Testament, there were people just like you and I who felt pain. <clears throat> Who felt disappointment, who struggled with doubt, fear, anxiety, loneliness, calamity. And this is what we're talking about right now. We're five weeks into a series entitled, It's Okay to Be Not Okay. Just say that with me today. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. It's okay to not, oh, not okay, right? To be not okay. Yeah. Sorry, I always mess it up. Okay to be not okay, right? But you see, the churches, we've, we've kind of spread this different message, right? We've spent a lot of time trying to convince people that, that if you're Christian, right, if you're if you're holy, if you're a church attender, then you gotta hide that stuff away, right? You gotta hide that stuff down deep. You gotta kind of press it down in yourself. Because you know, we're, we're Christians. 
And the fruits of the Spirit are available to us. There's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. But what do we do with all this other stuff? What do we do with the entire book of Lamentations in the Bible? church has been okay with hiding the fact that its congregants are, are really not okay. Well, no more. No more. The purpose of this series has been hopefully to remind you that it's okay to be not okay. Even God himself is okay with it. He's okay with your not okayness. He is. And this morning I want to spend a little time talking about two things, two D words. Don't get scared. Doubt and disappointment. So to doubt is to feel unconvinced or uncertain about something. Or to think that something is unlikely. How many of you at some time in your life, maybe in some season of life, have doubted someone or doubted something? Just show me your hands. Yeah. Perhaps you've even found yourself... Doubting your faith. Maybe you have doubted God's existence, or, or maybe you haven't necessarily doubted his existence, but you've certainly doubted his goodness. Perhaps you have intellectual questions, or, or questions built around historical facts that, that never seem to get answered. You ask them, but no one's really giving you answers. Maybe you're going through a very difficult season of life and, and you wonder if you can hold up under all the pressure. Perhaps you find your faith sort of teetering on the edge and you ask yourself, do I really believe in God? Is he really even here? If you've ever dealt with doubt or are dealing with doubt this morning, I want you to know that, that you're in good company. Because the Bible tells us of, of several individuals who dealt with doubt. Yes, they loved God, but that didn't keep them from doubting what he was saying to them. I mean, look back to the very beginning in, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and we hear the story of a man named Adam and a woman named Eve. And did they not doubt what God was telling them when he said, hey, hey, free reign, except don't you deep, dare eat of that fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil, right? Of that tree. Don't eat of that tree. But they had to have doubted it because they did it, right? Or what about Abraham and Sarah? I mean, Abraham was like 8 billion years old, right? And Sarah wasn't far behind, and, and God came and said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And I mean, Abraham and Sarah about laughed themselves out of town. Not at my age. That couldn't possibly happen. Or then when the Hebrew slaves were being led out of Egypt. Who did God pick to do it? Moses. How did God communicate this to Moses? Through a burning bush. And what was Moses' response? I'm not the one. Couldn't possibly be me. Right? Now, we know that Gideon shied away from God's call. The Bible says that he tested God twice. Challenging God to provide proof of his reliability through a series of miracles. In the New Testament, we, we hear about Peter who, who's in the boat, and then all of a sudden he's out of the boat, and he's above the water, and then he's under the water, right? Because that doubt seeped in. We read about another disciple of Jesus whose name was Thomas. And Thomas 
couldn't believe what he was hearing about Jesus Christ and how he had risen from the dead. Well, certainly not. In fact, I won't believe it until I see the proof, the nail-scarred hands. In John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, we read this. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, and so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And so we're told that a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he looked at Thomas. He said, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. So what should our Christian response to doubt be? Well, hold on just a second. Christian response to doubt? Christians don't doubt, right? We never have doubts. Christians aren't supposed to doubt anything. That'd be wrong. Eh. Doubts are natural. Completely natural. In fact, as I look back over the course of, of my life, Almost 38 years. I look at some of those seasons of doubt as, as seasons of growth. It was when I began to question some of the things that I had always just kind of taken for granted that God really began to grow me up in my faith. And so doubts are not only natural, they're sometimes necessary. And we'll get to what we need to do and how we need to deal with those here in just a second. Before we do, I want to talk about another D word, and that's disappointment. So the dictionary definition of disappointment is a, a feeling of sadness or frustration because something is not good or attractive or satisfactory or as expected or because something we hoped for did not happen. And so we're naturally left disappointed. So how many of you have ever been disappointed by someone or something in life? Right? Of course you have. Maybe you've even been disappointed in God. Perhaps your experiences in life have been such that they don't really point to a good and loving God, right? Maybe you've had prayers that have gone unanswered. Anybody been there? And so maybe you look at the people who are in your life and around your life and, and you hear them telling stories and giving testimonies of, man, I prayed and I prayed fervently and God heard my prayer and he answered it. And you think to yourself, well, what's wrong with me? Why are my prayers working? Maybe you thought God would just show up at a time when you really needed him. And, and you know what? God didn't, God didn't really show up. And so how do we deal with that? Well, whether you are dealing with doubt or disappointment this morning, and, and let's face it, the two often go hand in hand. I mean, think about it. Usually doubt will lead us to disappointment, and disappointment will often lead us to doubt. If you're dealing with either one of those two things or even both of those two things this morning, I want you to know this. God is okay with your doubts. God is okay with your disappointments. God wants us to bring our honest laments to him. I began my time up here by reading to you from, from the book of Lamentations, cleverly titled, right? 
that's what it is. And tradition has ascribed the authorship of this book to, to the prophet Jeremiah. Lamentations is only six chapters long, very short, easy to overlook, not a whole lot of fun to read, chalked full of doubt and disappointment, right? So why would I go there? I like that John 3.16 thing. Let's just get there. But necessary just the same. Lamentations is a lament over, over the city of Jerusalem, which has been left in ruins, absolute ruins. By the king of Babylon. The temple that had been built a few years before by Solomon had, had now been pillaged and, and burned. And much of the population was either left dead or in exile. A crowded city was now empty. A queen was now a slave. A once powerful nation was now being described as a lonely widow with no one to comfort her. In fact, five times in the first two chapters of this book, the writer says, There is no one. To comfort her. The saddest words in the book are even found at the end where it says, Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return, renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us. Unless you are angry with us beyond measure. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever felt as though God must have just completely abandoned them? As though God must have just completely given up on them, walked out on them, left them alone. Jeremiah is asking for a return to the good old days, but, but you see there's this big disqualification. He says, unless you've utterly rejected us. Maybe Jeremiah thought this isn't temporary. Maybe this is forever. Maybe this tragedy will never be resolved. We thought you would show up and help us, God, but clearly you didn't. And maybe that means you don't love us. Maybe that means you don't really care for us. Have you ever found yourself there? Have you ever found yourself asking that question? God, you, you could have saved my marriage, but you didn't. God, you could have restored this particular relationship, but, but clearly you chose not to. God, you could have saved my job, but you didn't. You could have prevented this loss in my life. I know you could have. I know you have the power, God. I know you have the ability. But for some reason, you didn't. These were the questions that Judah was facing. I mean, God could have prevented this disaster, but, but God didn't. So what now? So what now? So what now, church? So what now, God? How am I supposed to deal with this doubt that I'm having, with this disappointment that I am feeling? What do I do with it? About seven years ago, I think I went through probably one of the lowest points of my life. We were serving in another church, and uh, things had just gotten really ugly really fast. And people were saying things and spreading rumors about myself and about our family. Uh, it just was not good. Um, financially, we were in a really low place. We were struggling to make ends meet. Um, Christian was working, but making very little, and I wasn't making a whole lot better money at the time. Um, things were just getting hard. My parents uh, had had kind of a marital crisis that they were going through, and they were calling me on a regular basis, kind of confiding in me and talking to me about that. And things just got really hard. And I don't really remember doubting God's existence through that experience and through that time, but, but I certainly remember doubting my calling. I remember doubting God's people. 
the faithfulness of God's people. I remember doubting whether or not I was enough, whether I was smart enough, talented enough, equipped enough to do what I needed to do. I remember Christian looking at me one night and just flat out asking me, is there anything else you can do? Because this kind of stinks. It was a low place. And I can remember one afternoon specifically getting so angry at home, and I can't even really remember what it was over, but I can remember becoming so angry that I literally put my fist through the drywall. I was furious. I was furious with God. I was disappointed in Him because, God, how could you call me to ministry and then just leave me for dead? How could you let me suffer at the hands of people who, quote-unquote, called themselves believers in Christ? How could you leave me to wonder where I was going to get the money to go out and buy groceries to feed my family? How could you take two college-educated people and make them live in kind of what was a dump? Because that's where we were living. How could you let my parents, who I always looked up to and admired their marriage, how could you let that fall apart? Man, it was tough. Doubt and disappointment are real. And none of us has spared that. Every one of us is subject to that. So there are a few things that I want us to hear this morning about these two things. Maybe you've been disappointed in God. Perhaps your experiences in life have have been such that they don't really point to a good and loving God. Maybe you've had prayers that have gone unanswered. Maybe there's a time when you thought God would show up in your situation. And he didn't. The first thing you need to do is draw closer. I know the natural response when we're dealing with doubt and disappointment is to back away. Right? Pull away. I see it all the time. I see it with young people. I see it with old people. I see it with everything in between. You begin to doubt. You begin to half doubt. You begin to deal with a certain degree of disappointment. And the next thing you know, you disappear. Let me just pull away from God, because that'll make everything better. <laughs> it's kind of what we think, isn't it? It's natural for us to pull away, to put some separation between us and God, to put some separation between us and God's people, right? We stop going to worship. We withdraw from accountability. And perhaps most dangerously, we stop caring. If anything, though, this is a time in our life when we need to draw closer to God. You see, I for one think that it's a wonderful thing that we have a God who cares about us. That we have a God who wants to hear from us. That we have a voice with our God. When we, what we feel is important to Him because we're special to Him. He cares. He doesn't only seek disciples who are, who are, yes, yes, Lord, Lord, whatever you need, Christians, right? He wants covenant partners who are able to express what they really feel and what they really think. God wants to hear about your doubts. God wants to hear about your disappointments. I mean, think about it this way. The more open that we are with a person about what we are truly feeling, about what we are truly thinking, then the more vulnerable we become. And this gives us more opportunity to be closer to the person with whom we are opening up. And the same can be said for our relationship with God. Vulnerability yields 
intimacy. Draw close to Christ. Let him hear from you. If you're going through a season where you're doubting everything you've ever been told, this simply couldn't be true because it does not parallel with what I'm experiencing in life. Don't pull away. Draw closer. If you're going through a period in life where you're just disappointed, just in life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your children, in your job, don't pull away. Draw closer. And dig deeper. The other natural response that we have when we are dealing with doubts and disappointment is, is to sort of just give up on God, right? We shut our eyes off. We shut our ears off. We stop seeing the things in which God is trying to show us. We stop listening to the things in which God is trying to tell us. We stop spending time in God's word. We put God's word up on a shelf somewhere. We just shut it all out. But here's the deal. We find in the Bible that people not only lamented about themselves and their enemies, but they also lamented about God. Even though our God is a king of kings and lord of lords, he allows his people to express their honest questions to him. God allows his people to express their honest feelings and thoughts, their doubts and disappointments. Even though these may contradict what he tells them and wants them to know. And when we dig deeper into his truth, when we keep our eyes and ears open, he steps into our doubt and disappointment. It's amazing how when I'm dealing with doubt, when I'm dealing with disappointment, when I'm dealing with some of these other things, I open this book up and it immediately speaks to me. It's as if God is sitting there in the room with me, giving me exactly what I need, exactly when I need it. One passage of scripture that has been particularly helpful to me in seasons of doubt and disappointment comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, we don't yet see things clearly. Anybody ever felt that way? <laughs> Anybody ever felt like you're just not really seeing things clearly? Paul says, we're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears up and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. This passage serves as a good reminder to me that I don't see the whole picture. You're dealing with doubt. You're dealing with disappointment. Trust the fact that God is at work. But what he's doing may be behind the scenes. It may be behind, behind the scenes, right? But God is at work. Trust his plan. Draw closer, dig deeper, and daily surrender. Daily Surrender. I read to you earlier from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. I want to pick up in verse 21. Jeremiah says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. 
I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, and therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Church, it would do us a lot of good to remember that life is a marathon. The only reason I didn't run the flying pig today was because I had to preach. <laughs> life is a marathon, not a sprint. Life is a grind, amen? Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? Man, it's a grind. But here's the deal. In the middle of all the hurt and of all the heartache, we can hear those words of Jeremiah. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every single morning. The good news this morning is that God's compassions never fail. God's standing at the ready. And every morning that we sit up and every morning that we put our feet to the floor, God is there with a fresh dose. A fresh dose of what? A fresh dose of grace, a fresh dose of mercy, a fresh dose of compassion, a fresh dose of love, a fresh dose of hope, a fresh dose of peace, a fresh dose of joy, and whatever else you might need. That's our God. So are you dealing with doubt? Are you dealing with disappointment? Are you dealing with calamity or anxiety or loneliness or unfulfilled relationships or any of the things we're going to talk about in the weeks to come? Boy, these are exciting things we're talking about. Are you there? Maybe a better question is, are you human? Because if you're human, you're probably there. Just know that those mercies are new every single day. God is with you. He has not left you. He's not abandoned you. So draw closer to him, dig deeper into his word, and daily surrender your life to him. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much, so, so much, that you don't give up on us. That even when it feels as though you've abandoned us and left us for dead, God, that you're there, you're present, you're working, behind the scenes and sometimes behind behind the scenes. God, remind us that with every new day, with every new day that we raise our heads up off the pillow, that we sit up in bed and put our feet to the floor, God, that your mercy and your compassion and your love and your grace, that it's all new and it's available to us. Help us in our doubts. Help us to have a strengthened faith, a renewed sense of faith and understanding of who you are and how you've created us and what you've wired us for, called us to. God, help us in our disappointments when life is hard, when we don't feel as though our prayers are being answered, when we don't feel as though you're even in the same room as us. God, remind us of your presence. Remind us of the sacrifice. Remind us that there's no wall you won't kick down to get to us. It's in the precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen.